Hi, everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I am here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. Hi, Atara. And hi, everyone. I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the only global parenting magazine. And you can find me at www.thebabyspot.ca. Now, we have an esteemed guest today who has been working on behalf of children, parents, and teachers. Atara, who do we have? Grace, audience, it is our pleasure today to be speaking with David DeJoria. David is an international best-selling author, a keynote and TEDx speaker, and a confidence consultant for children, teachers, parents, influencers, and celebrities. David writes for many renowned publications and has also made anti-bullying one of his life's missions. He started an organization called Project Being Unapologetic, where David used his background as a theater producer and composer to teach children how to combat bullying by engaging in performing arts, thereby building confidence and self-esteem. David, I love this unusual way you use to combat bullying, and we are so excited to speak with you today about your many innovative approaches and ideas. So welcome, David. How are you? Welcome. I am so good. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so I want to start off by saying, David, um, you know, I recently watched one of your TEDx talks. And, you know, I'm not a person with endless amounts of patience, and I don't have a lot of extra time. <laughs> so listening to PowerPoint presentations is not something that I, I do for fun. Um, but I wanted to get to know you a little better, being that you're going to be one of our guests. So I... I clued in. And the truth is that I was really enraptured. And I listened to the entire, you know, whatever it was, 20-minute TEDx talk. I thought you were really fascinating. And I thought you said some really amazing, poignant, and authentic things that, honestly, I hadn't actually heard before. And one of my favorites, as you really have coined a new term, um, comparanoia. Am I saying that correctly? I yeah, love that. I love that. Please tell us what that is. So comparanoia is the desire to be like or unlike anybody else. And that's the real key is to really understand that there's two sides to comparanoia. Okay. And um, it goes a little deeper, but that's really what we present in the TEDx talk. And yeah, it's, it's a big problem. It is a big problem because everybody suffers from it, you know, and it's something that you can, I, I think you can work to undo it, but you have to have the tools and, and really the understanding of what it is first. So mm -hmm. I'd love, just give me a little bit more on, on this because I don't want to get away from this so fast. I like it. Yeah. So I think it's really important to focus on the fact that even, so I grew up and I felt different because I was bullied, as you know, from watching yes, my, right. my TEDx talk. And that starts to make you like to protect yourself. I think what starts to happen is we start to think, well, I'm special. I'm not like everybody mm. else. I'm different. And all of a sudden, when you think you're unlike anybody else, you start to create these unusual benchmarks and goals and you set these unusual, you create belief systems for yourself, okay. basically, that are unreasonable. Okay. And that really puts you into this cycle of comparanoia where you start to feel down on yourself, that you're not like all the others. And the reality is when we look at it, whether it's from a science perspective, a God perspective, whatever, a unicorn perspective, mm -hmm. we're all the same. Right. We all have the same scientific genetic makeup, more or less. Okay. And so in that case, we're not that different. 
than each other. And if that's also true, then we also need each other. Ah. And so in this culture that we've decided, we've created, although social media is supposed to connect us, we've never felt more alone. And there's been a lot of research going on about this is that when people find community with anybody, all of a sudden, everything changes. Oh, wow. the, the levels of depression and anxiety go down. It's really fascinating. Oh, wow. And But this idea that we're different or special or unique causes us to go into what I've come to call comparanoia. That is so interesting. And we're finding with this new generation that is actually growing up with social media around them and that children as young as Atar, is it fair to say seven or eight years old Mm -hmm. are having their own accounts like Instagram accounts, phones. And so how would you relate this to children and bullying? Because here at Curly Girly, and I know with my website, The Baby Spot, we work to empower children and we have this very strong anti-bullying platform. So we'd love for you to expand on this. Well, and I think it really comes down to that, uh, you know, as as I joke in my uh, in my yes. talk and, and I would say to all my students, I, you know, I would start every year by telling my and I, I taught high school students. Right. So I would modify the way I would say this. to yes. kids. <laughs> Right. But, you know, I would tell my kids it's like, here's the good news. You're not that. special, <laughs> Right. And they would be sh- shocked. But that's what I want them to realize, wow. because unfortunately, we're raising generations of kids to make them feel like they're very, very special. And yes, they are. But what's happening is they're misinterpreting what that means. And I think when we bring, especially with younger kids, to make them understand we need each other. Yes. So build strong relationships. You're not different than anybody else. You might think you're different, but that's just your brain in confusion. Right. That's your brain in comparison. And we're actually all the same. We all want the same things. And so this also has the potential to truly reduce bullying because bullies act out because, again, they either feel ostracized mm-hmm. or they feel like they're not like everybody else. or So, again, they're in protection mode. And so I think if we really help our kids to understand what, you know, the basis of what comparanoia is and the fact that we actually need each other, we're all very much the same. And if we're very much the same, then we can you know, I mean, so to speak, play in the sandbox and have a great time together, then everything just works a little bit easier. So maybe that what you're saying, if I'm hearing correctly, is that the need to tell yourself you're special is almost a defense mechanism for children and for people. Ah, Right. Because what, so, and then what? Right. Right. Okay, so you're special. And then what? You know, um, so I'm special. So therefore I don't need any friends. Well, obviously that's not true. (laughs) Exactly. And we know, I mean, it's not news that the more special, okay, so let's just equate fame. Okay, let's do that. Lady Gaga recently tweeted, Mm -hmm. you know, I happen to be a bit of a fan and (laughs) she does such great work in anti-bullying, right? she's fantastic. She recently tweeted just the other day, she said, fame is prison. Yes, she did. And that had some backlash. Right. And I'm like, but wait a minute, like, that's her truth. And I believe it. Michael Jackson said the same thing. A lot of big stars have said the same thing and so if fame is prison then if we can equate fame being special like right the more special you become the more famous you right. become well okay 
all of a sudden, and I'm even seeing it myself, even with my TEDx talk coming out. I mean, I'm not famous by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination, maybe in my own little circle. No. But it's really interesting. The more perceived success you have, the more special you become, all of a sudden, all those people who said to you on the way, oh, don't forget me when you're famous. Right, whatever, right, right. All of a sudden, they're the ones who are ignoring you in the first place. It's really fascinating, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, wait a minute. I'm just trying to build something to help people. We're all the same here. Right. That's so interesting. And I bet a lot of people can, you know, it's so, um, I've talked to this about with my family. My parents had a classic rags to riches story. And as they became more successful, they would say that people would say, what do you think you're better than the community you came up in? They never, you know, um, bashed the community they came in. But as they came became more successful, it was like people became more repellent of that success. Even though when they were starting their careers, they were cheered on by their friends and family. But um, people in their community started to kind of take them down as they became more successful. And it seems to be a weird loop where we start to right. bully people when they are becoming you know, whether it's like Lady Gaga and becoming famous, or if it's just um, retaining the success that you've always wanted. Right. And I think, see, that's also a function of the cycle of comparanoia, right. because all of a sudden, when, you know, your parents started to become successful, yes. the other people, now they had to separate themselves because now they no longer felt like right. them. Right. So they felt unlike yes, your parents. They did. And so now it triggers a belief system. The belief that, oh, well, I'm not good enough or or their protection, right? Well, they're just better than me. That's what their belief system has put onto them. And it creates this, like you said, this crazy loop that we get stuck in. When at the end of the day, your parents, whatever it was, they worked harder, they had an opportunity, they went for it, they stuck around longer for it, whatever it was, like they weren't more special than anybody else. They just maybe had a desire that was a little bit stronger or whatever right. it was, right? And I'm sure your parents wanted to take them all Actually, them. they I did. Know. They would try to like recruit them to come and move to the new city that they were living in. And they wanted to still be a part of the gang, but um, like they still retained their close friends and family, but the community around them was very repellent and um, it was so mm -hmm. shocking to see so they had to flux yeah. and they had to change a bit and they no longer felt a part of their original community so it's like you didn't belong in the new community and you didn't belong in your older right. community but this is what you're mm -hmm. talking about about looping um, and comparanoia that is such a fantastic term and it describes so many different levels of success power and uh, feeling you know, how special can maybe not be so special after all. Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting exactly. um, point that you bring up, Grace, because oh. there's somewhat of a dual dialogue that we as parents, you know, are telling our children, right? Because we want to tell them that they're special. Yes. And if your little girl or your little boy comes home and he says, oh, you know, they were mean to me today in the playground. Um, what's the first thing that you're as a parent likely to say? You're going to say something along the lines of, oh, well, don't feel so bad. You're this, this, and that equating yes. you're special. So don't feel so bad. So there is a dual dialogue that we give our, our children in, in saying you are special. And yet, um, David, I think you're saying, well, let's also talk the language of we're all the same. So maybe it's not that you're not special because we all, we all are special in different ways. We do have different qualities. We also do have different differences, right? Physical apparent differences mm -hmm. that make some people, you know, more unique than others. There's so many things that make us unique, but I think it's not that we're not special. It's that we're more alike than we think we are. 
And that, right? And at the end of the day, no matter who you are, whether you're a celebrity, Mm -hmm. whether you're rich or poor or educated or uneducated, at the end of the day, we all want and feel the same things. I think that's really it, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, I love how you brought that up. Like when your child comes home with, you know, a a situation. Instead, so here's the thing, we feel responsible to take care Mm -hmm. of because, you know, it's in the job description. (laughs) (laughs) And what if instead, we just asked questions and took on and I know this is why we originally connected this collaborative approach and ask them how they feel about them to about it to get to the bottom of what's actually going on and have them reveal themselves that yeah, they do feel like it doesn't actually land. It didn't actually make sense. Maybe something's going on in that other kid's life or something irritated them right. or maybe our child did something. Right. That, you know, what? there's so many things, but we don't need to save anybody. Right. And the minute we try to save people, that's when things go right. wrong. And we actually cause the cycle. Right. That's when we lose them, actually. 100%. Right. We need to guide them yeah. more to find the answers themselves. And as you brought up, you know, you and I are huge fans of Dr. Ross Green. So is Grace now yes. since we had him on. He's wonderful. Right. So it's really about collaborating with them and helping them to really find the answers because right, we weren't at the playground. We weren't in the classroom. So anything we say is we're really putting thoughts into their head, which maybe they wouldn't have gone in that direction if we just let them tell us. Right. Right. And anything that we say to our kids will start to shape a belief. Mm-hmm. And that is powerful. Yes. Right. And we want to make sure that what we're doing is, yes, we're guiding those beliefs. But, you know, and it's something as inane as, oh, my gosh, but sweetie, you're special. Honey, you're special. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, but now we don't know what's there's so language is not very exacting, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So what does your kid understand special to be? Uh, I was just at a party this weekend and a parent was telling me, oh my gosh, my nine-year-old came home and said, mommy, am I sexy? Oh. And the mom <laughs> freaked out. And she was like, wait a minute now, what does that mean ah. to you? And, the, and, and, and she said, the daughter said, oh, cute. It means I'm cute, right? And she's like, okay, we're still safe. <laughs> right. okay. We're still nine years old. <laughs> but she took right. that time to ask the question, which is what you promote, ask the question rather than right. go there with the paranoia and be like, no, you're special. Who said that to you? Yes. Right, right. Or we we instill these beliefs that then create the thoughts, the, you know, mm-hmm. the actions and all the other things that come from that, which cause negative outcomes potentially. Okay. I get that. So tell us a little, you were a music teacher. I want to hear all about the performing arts. Um, we love music in our home. So yes. please tell us how you integrated that into these two worlds. So it happened by accident. I started to realize in the first few years of teaching that my band students, and I was the head of a department, mm-hmm. so I, I was right. there, basically, I was not only the head of the department, I was all of the department. Okay. <laughs> and so I, you know, I had to figure it out by myself. Uh-huh. And I was noticing after the first couple of years, the kids weren't really getting much better as musicians. Okay. And I was a little bit confused. <laughs> And so I started to pull out all the stops and use very unconventional methods to reach them. And because I'm, it's just in my personality and I like to ask questions and I like to talk to young people, mm-hmm. I started to ask questions. And I, I would say, hey, how was your weekend? And what did you do last night? And the answers were shocking. So the answers were things like, okay, so uh, we had friends over. And I, okay, well, how was it? Uh, it was good. <laughs> okay. We had dinner. Well, what was it? How was it? Uh, it was okay. 
I'm like, okay, we have a problem right. here. How am I going to get these kids to express on a musical instrument if they can't even tell you how their weekend right. was? Excellent right. point. Excellent. Right. So I started to, and I didn't know it was happening. Right. Like Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots. Oh, looking I like. So I, I realized love that. this after right. the fact that I started to ask them, I started teaching them how to express themselves for who they were. I started teaching them how to tell stories, how to be descriptive, right? I wanted them to describe the taste and the flavor and the sounds of the weekend, all okay. of it. And I started to notice in the classes that I spent more time having conversations like this, this with my students, the achievement was equal. The, the achievement grew in parallel to the amount that I would talk to these kids, ah. which had nothing to do with music. Isn't that something? And, Every year, year after year, I kept doing this and it kept happening. So there's really something to be said for, and we know this, like Maslow said, you know, when kids feel safe and right, secure, it's the hierarchy. when those needs are met, right, when those needs are met, things, everything else falls in place. And it is so true. As I had these kids learn how to express themselves for who they are, build a belief system that they wow. were confident, that that they were like everybody else, that there were little changes, little differences between cultures and families and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they all wanted to have a good time. Isn't that they all something? wanted to enjoy their time with their friends. And as we built their confidence in that, they started to shed the comparanoia that they weren't great musicians. And all of a sudden, anything became possible. And overall, wow. they became these better musicians and probably better communicators as well with their everyday. Absolutely. Oh, and that's beautiful to see them blossom like that. And that's one of the joys of being a teacher is just seeing people come into themselves, really. Yeah, it, I, I was like addicted to, I, I'm not addicted to anything, but I was <laughs> addicted and still am to that, is like empowering people, especially young people, to just break through their own comparanoia to unleash I, I, their yeah. most awesome self. I, I really think this is such a powerful um idea and a concept for us to really understand as parents. You know, when I when I go to a, a parent-teacher conference in school, you know, I'm there with my husband. He's always, you know, asking about the grades. How's he doing in this subject? How's yes. she doing? And I'm always like, so how's she doing with her friends? How's it going in the playground? <laughs> so, Interesting. <laughs> I like that. And, and I always, you know, I, I come home and I say to my husband, just as you said with Maslow's hierarchy, if the friend situation isn't working, then the grades aren't working. And if they are, I'm, I'm not, it's not meaningful to me anyway, because to me, the number one thing that has to be on that bottom of that hierarchy is the social aspect. That's true for children. And that's true for us as we go all the way through life. You know, they say um, the older population the, the most significant factor to aging well, gracefully, and living a long life is having a community and having friends at 80 and 90. No so way. I think this is just so powerful. And, and I love to like be able to really band together to teach our children um, we are all alike. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out because you you basically said in in so beautifully the basis of Dr. Ross Green's ah. work, which at its core is kids do well if they can. Yes. And so if they're not doing well in math, science, whatever, something is going on. Something else. Right. 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 They might not have the skill, they might not have the understanding, there might be bullying, there might be confidence, something mm. is going right. on. Right. right. And so in my own work, I've seen that this whole concept of comparanoia that I've sort of created and observed over thousands and thousands of people is the key in a lot of cases. 
Yes. And so just always remember that. I think it's so important for parents to understand if your kid is not doing well, mm -hmm. you have to remind yourself, my kid will do well if they can. What's in their way? Uh, what, what's in their way? Exactly. Now, did so you find, find that as, can I ask you personally, like as a child, mm -hmm. when you were bullied, did you find that you retreated and then didn't do well? So I used achievement mm -hmm. as my I'm special. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, so I made sure, so I compartmentalized. I was able to compartmentalize. Not, not everyone can, is. lucky for you, yes. right? Yeah, I was very lucky because had I not been able to compartmentalize, I absolutely wouldn't have made it through 10th grade. Wow. And yeah, it was very, very and such a tough year and in general for students as they're growing and, you know, physically changing oh. and mentally changing. Oh, my goodness. Right. And especially for boys. Yes. I find ninth and 10th grade for boys is the oh. some of them something have to look forward to. I know, right? <laughs> That's our, uh, yes. Like you get through it yourself and you think you're home free and then you have children. And then, you know, your pain is exponentially grown because it's your kid and you're like, oh, my God, I can't even watch this. Oh. <laughs> right. And I think it's again, remember, like, I think if we just use this collaborative approach yes. where we ask I questions so. and instead of trying to go to figure out what the problem is. So here's the thing. Maybe this is a good analogy. I realized as a teacher mm -hmm. that I had not, it was none of my business to teach my students anything because in most cases, especially teenagers have no interest in, <laughs> in learning. what you're saying. <laughs> right. 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 Instead, as a teacher, what I learned is my role was to learn how they learn the best. Okay. And you basically have to trick them okay. into learning. <laughs> Joseph McClendon III says, you have to cheat if you want to win. And what he means oh, is you have to learn how other people learn the best, what motivates them, what's in their way, figure out how to talk to them in a way that works for right. them. And when I started to, to turn things around and just like it was whatever they wanted to learn, we could learn. It didn't matter what piece of music we learned in class. Let's be honest. Most of these kids were not going on in music. Right. I didn't care if they played Beethoven or if they played Katy Perry. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't make right. a difference. Right. Right? The fact of the matter was they would be learning these skills of how to express themselves through a musical instrument and maybe have a good right. time. Right, in an artistic So that's form. why every right. year we took our kids to, to Disney, to Cuba, wow. to, we right. traveled. We gave them experiences that would make a difference for them for the long wow. term. I love that. So you tell this great um, story on your TEDx talk yes. of, of your house burning down and of you celebrating. And you actually show a picture of your house burning. So this was all actually happened. And you say that, you know, your neighbors like are thinking you're crazy because you're actually, I, I guess, happy about this. So tell us, tell us about this story because I love it. I mean, so there I am. The house is burning. How down. long ago is this? Uh, this is 2000. Okay. Yeah. 2011 and uh, it was just a freak accident my house was struck by lightning which is like it. so freakish like who i mean you hear this but like i've never actually met anyone well he should buy a lotto well, ticket is what he should do <laughs> i know i know and and so it was just interesting because um the reason i'm celebrating i was celebrating it is because for the six months before that so i had a business i was a yoga studio owner okay. while i was a teacher while i was a theater wow. producer okay. i had a hole in my schedule <laughs> and i took on something that was not a good idea and the yoga studio wasn't doing so well. And so every night before I went to bed, I was wishing to start over. Really? I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, I need to start over. What would it be like if I could have a clean slate? And I forgot to specify to the universe. <laughs> it can be tricky like <laughs> let that. <it> be known. <laughs> yeah, let it be known that the secret doesn't tell you this piece, that you need to be very specific. And I got what I asked for. 
And I really felt, so here I am, I'm seeing, you know, my neighbors, they're in tears. You know, it was very traumatic. You saw the I can't even imagine. Yes. Yeah, it was crazy. And of course, there's elements that I was in shock, of course, too. But I realized as I was looking at it, it's like, oh my gosh, I am powerful. I mean, what what if there's a 1% chance that I actually did bring this into my life? Well, then what else can I do is what the thought was going through my head. And so I decided in that moment, I'm going to do it differently this time. Thank you so much because I was at home. I got the dog right. out. All of these great things were happening. Right. I was okay. I wasn't right. hurt. Oh, thank right. goodness. And I realized all that stuff was replaceable. Yes. So, okay, well, let's just start over. Who gets a chance to start over wow. like that? Uh, yeah. Not too many people. So, so this is an opportunity you saw it as. Right, right. And I didn't like, and I'll just be very yes. real with you that... You know, at the end of the day, 27 firefighters went home, the insurance state farm was there and they handed me the right. check. And I mean, for real, it was like crazy, all of it. And then at the end of the day, I was left alone with this, with nothing. Right. And I was standing in front of my home and I looked at the house and I had two options. This is what went through my head. Well, the basement is full of water okay. and I could maybe go there. Right. Or I could call a friend and figure wow, it out. Wow, is that a metaphor? And I didn't like the basement. I no. Guess. And I called a friend and I started over. You really did. That is yeah. like, what a metaphor for life. You know, do we, we go into the dark basement ourselves sometimes or we can commit, connect with our community. And that's exactly what you did right. to begin this incredible journey. And you also right. have this amazing teaching tool, which is the daily celebration list. So can yes. you tell yes. our amazing audience what this means? Yes. And so to connect it to the fire. So I had a choice because it's so important that we realize you will always have a choice. Even when things are real bad, Mm -hmm. you have to make choices. Mm -hmm. And I chose to celebrate. And so unfortunately, but in the moment, can I just ask for our audience? Because I'm listening. I'm wondering if others are thinking the same thing. Did you in that moment when the fire is going on, have that vision like I have a choice or did it take months and weeks thereafter or was it a combination of both perhaps so I I, when I stood in front of the home and I was making the choice between calling a friend or going in the basement I knew that I had a choice like I literally saw two paths wow that I could take because there was no no one was around everyone was inside and I thought okay well what am I gonna do with this so I recognized, I mean, I maybe didn't have the clarity that, okay, all of a sudden now I'm going to make this mm-hmm, choice, mm-hmm. but I did see there were two roads I could okay. take. Now looking back, I realized the power, and that's why the TEDx talk is called the real power mm-hmm. of choice, that there is power in making your choice. Yes. And so what I realized is because I chose celebration, even though I didn't call it that at yes. the time, I mean, I chose to live, I chose to start right. over. We think celebration is for achievement special, uh, special um, uh, occasions, right. things like that, birthdays, all that stuff, right? That's what most of us grow up with most. Mm-hmm. So now I've created, I've redefined celebration and to have more options in it. And one of the options that I have with celebration is what I call this daily celebration list. And on the list, I literally have a little note on my phone or my computer. And when something happens, when an incident happens, mm-hmm. I ask myself, what can I celebrate in this moment? Okay. It could be like, oh, I had a great podcast interview with my new oh. great friend, Grace McDonald. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? Like anything. Yes. Like, oh, someone that I haven't heard from in 22 years. True story. 
because of my TEDx talk, messaged me and and actually acknowledged and said, if I was part of any of the bullying, I just want to acknowledge wow, and say huge. I'm sorry about that's it. That's huge. 22 years that's later. Huge. And you don't, people, you don't yeah. always get that. So that's huge. Right. But even little things like, oh, I got something in the mail or I paid my credit card today or, or I really like is, that right? chocolate like, cake if you're, you know, seven years old <laughs> or if you're Grace. Whatever it is. <laughs> right. And so I don't call it necessarily celebration. I call it I document ah. things and I acknowledge mm -hmm. them. Right. So I'm documenting by writing them down, journal, whatever you want to call it. And then I acknowledge I'm like, yeah, that's a cool thing. I look at it before I go to bed and I say, wow, today was full because we forget, yes, we do. especially in this age of social media where these um, adrenaline junkies, right. right? Where the 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 notification comes in and the next bing and the next call and the next text. Well, what if you actually started to document and acknowledge all of those things throughout the day? Your list is going to be overwhelming. I can right. almost guarantee for most people, you'll have an overwhelming list of things that you've documented and acknowledged that are not so bad. Right. I'd like to challenge our audience to do this. I'm going to do this. Grace, what about you oh, with our you, kids? You bet. With their kids right? and with ourselves because it always yeah. starts with yourself starts with as you. a parent. So <laughs> yes. definitely will. And I was just thinking of some of the little uh, graces that I've had um, every day, even just little things, you know? what I mean? Um, yeah, it's it is the little things. And I think what's nice about what you're saying, David, is like practically for your kids, this is like a nice tangible tool to help build um, empowerment and esteem for them because they can really it doesn't happen overnight. But if they're consistently doing this, this will make a change in who they are and how they really feel from the inside. And thank you for saying that, because I have to tell you that what the universe, God, whatever, is now reflecting back on me at 43, almost 44, is what... So I worked with marching bands for a huh. while and I created this program mm -hmm. and um, a student who I hadn't heard from in four or five years messaged me after the TEDx talk and said, I just want you to know that you know, it wasn't anything that you said. And I was, oh. I was like, what do you mean? I had you, so many yes. good things that I said. Like, I, got, like, I got knowledge. Right? Yes. But it was so interesting that it wasn't anything specifically that you said, but it was just that you were so consistently there for oh us. Oh my God. You believed That's everything. Us, that you just showed up right. day after day right. after day. And I'm seeing this everywhere in my life. Uh -huh. Me, my superpower, my thing mm -hmm. is that I'm unwavering. Ah. I'm unmessable. I just show up for people. I just believe no matter what. Because I guess through all the years of bullying, mm -hmm. I believed that I wasn't what, what they, they told you I you was. were. Right. Right. I knew I wasn't. Whatever it was, my higher power, whatever it was, I just knew it. Wow. And so now I take a stand for other people to know that, no, believe in yourself. Because when you do, holy cow, anything can happen. Yes. That's all it takes. Yes. Like, successful people aren't special. No. They just believed in themselves like maybe 1% more, more than everyone else. Than that's it's it. hard that's work and it's change. it's consistent hard work and consistent, consistent. belief. So yeah. those are two and, things. And that, yeah. Thank you for saying that too. People say to me, oh my God, so you've made it. You have a TEDx talk and it's got, you know, X 10,000, whatever yes. views or whatever. And I'm like, let me tell you what it feels like. It feels like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, ask my husband. I'm up at like, you know, sometimes three in the morning. To, it's 18 hour days of just we sharing get it. it like a crazy <laughs> we, oh, we get definitely look, can mirror right? that. Uh, no, it's right. It's all we, don't we always say that, Grace? You know, everyone jumps on the bandwagon when you're successful because you're, quote, an overnight success. But we all know us entrepreneurs, there is no such thing as an overnight success. Oh, no, there is not. It is. Uh, <laughs> There's many sleepless nights, right? <laughs> and yes, a lot of tears. And I just want to say, <laughs> yes, and model that for your kids. Yes. So don't hide it. Don't Absolutely. hide it. Absolutely. And enroll them in your vision for what it is that you're doing. Now, I'm not saying like take them to the bakery and make them bake the cookies, right. but I'm saying like share with them, ask yes. them questions so that they understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And for God's sake, like take a break with them. We know a, a colleague of mine, Colin Karchner, Save the Kids. If you haven't interviewed him, you should. He's incredible. Oh, fantastic. He's done a lot of work about, um, you know, kids under 12 should not have social media. Okay. Not have to- oh, hey, we have a that. show about that coming up. Yes, yeah. love that. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, take a break, ask your kids, they might tell you, uh, mommy, daddy, you're on your phone all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't do you're that. You're working and you might be, you might have a good intention, but just communicate what it is that you're doing so that they know and they understand yeah. and enroll them in that vision. Maybe they can help you. Yeah. Well, you know, Curly and Girly is a project working, in my house. It's a family affair. Yes. So I know what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And if you are working, well, for God's sake, put it down for an yes. hour, have dinner, Yes. like just go out, enjoy their time. That's all they want from time. You. That's one thing I learned as a yes. teacher. They just want, your, want time. your time. They don't care what you have to teach them. They don't no. care what you have to say. They want you. They just want your yeah. attention. And be intentional in your use of devices when you're around them so that yes. so that it becomes something that you're aware of. That's so true. Yes. And I'm really unapologetic in this <laughs> statement. You know, like, unfortunately, there's this movement of adults. You know, I've, I've wrote an article for to, Today Parenting, and there's some comments on the, the article where parents are like, oh, we should raise kids who aren't entitled and so on okay. and so forth. And I'm like, hold up just a second. They were not actually born with an iPhone. Yes. <laughs> right. True. You handed it to them because it was the alternative to babysitting. Yes, right. <laughs> so, and, and you showed them because you're on it all the time. Yes. So they don't learn, like this is not part of their DNA. Unfortunately, whether we want, that's what we want to believe maybe, it's not the way it is. We model the behavior. So we have to take full responsibility for the generation that comes after Absolutely. us. <laughs> it's, it's so true. And I find even with um, my daughter, if I'm on social media, because my business, um, a part of the promotion is social media running a magazine. And so I'll say to her very quickly, if you just have to put something on Twitter, I said, I'm putting on, you know, this article for the baby spot on Twitter right now. And this is going to promote this idea to the audience. And if you can explain that in a seven-year-old term to a seven-year-old, then I mean, just letting them know, like, I'm not disengaging with you for that moment. Right. This is work. And then let's talk about it. What do you think about this? And then, you know, obviously the conversation strays to something else and you go with that flow, you know? Right. But yeah, enroll them. It's exciting. Like think of how many people we're helping. Like your mommy's doing something good for other mommies, right? right. Like imagine how good their other kids are going to feel because they receive oh, yes. right? If you nice. if you put it that yes. way, all of a that's sudden nice. they'll get it. Nice. And they'll be excited. They'll want to yeah. help they you. They do. I, and yeah. I just love this. And there's just so many ways to apply this. And you also um, speak about being unselfish. Now let's talk about bullying just for one more moment. Like bullying is a selfish act. Is something that uh, you have said. What do you mean by this? 
So being unselfish, yes. you know, if we focus out, if we see, if, if we are thinking about the bigger picture, that we're not that special and we're just as special as everyone else, which is the nicer right, way to put right. it. If I'm just as special as everybody right. else, that means like there's so many people out there that I can connect right. with and talk about things and share experiences. Mm -hmm. So when I focus on other people, like the example that I use in the talk with Danelle Delgado, who, you know, she had a cancer scare and she had these three beautiful yes. kids and she was knocked down, knocked mm -hmm. down, that knocked was hard. down, single yes. mom. Yeah. And she's just like, I just want to make a difference for other people. Mm -hmm. How am I going right. to do that? Well, I'm going to focus on other people. I'm going to focus relentlessly and unapologetically on helping other people. So she was unselfish. And all of a sudden, everything started to turn in her life. And she's extraordinary. She's built an extraordinary following, an extraordinary business to help moms, especially to really create businesses and lives that support them. So if we put the focus off of ourselves mm -hmm. onto other people, and so let's look at I mean, this isn't just me, okay, saying this. I'm not making this. So don't believe me. Let's look yes. at the results mm -hmm. from, from Jesus to Mother Teresa to Nelson Mandela to any great leader in the world. You pick whoever okay. it is, right? Okay. The focus has always been on other people. Yes, so true. Their mission and vision is based on the success, the wellness, the whatever you want to call that, of other people. Okay, so let's take a hint at what's worked. Walt Disney, his vision and mission was for other people. His vision was so big and strong that it was other people who brought Disney World to life after Isn't he was that gone. something? Right. right, it's so true. So be unselfish, focus out, and that's how you'll find yourself because you're going to see yourself in other people. Okay. But I also want to acknowledge just, you know, the non-rosy side of, of, you know, rearing children and that often your child and even us as people, as individuals will say, you know, but I really just don't like that person. So what do you tell a child who comes home and says, you know, maybe that person isn't even bullying your child, but mommy, I just don't really like him or her. What do you say to that? Okay. So we take the collaborative approach and we ask questions. So you know how, when you buy your green dream car, and all of a sudden, all you see is that green dream car everywhere. <laughs> it's the same thing. What if maybe what we can see in other people is only what we recognize oh. in ourselves? Because mm. we can't see things we don't recognize. Right. We don't see things that aren't on our radar. Okay. So if we see a quality in somebody I, and your kid comes home and say, I don't like that kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me more. What don't, what don't you, you like, like about, about him or them? her? Okay. And now you got, now here's the thing. Let me use this metaphor. Think of it like drilling for oil. You know, a, a, an oil press goes down and then it comes okay. up and then it goes down and it comes okay. up and it keeps doing that. And your questions have to drill a little bit deeper each time because yes. the first couple answers are not going to be the answer. So he's mean. She's mean. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me more. How are they mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, they say this or that. Why do you think they say that? Because you might get to the point where they're going to say, I think they have, they're having a hard time at home, or I heard that this is happening, or I think they're being bullied, or something's going right. to come up mm -hmm. that you're going to actually uncover the truth of the situation. Okay. Because nobody's mean just because they want to be mean. Okay. 
There's always something. There's there always something else going on is what you're saying. And, and I guess what we always have to come back to as parents is let's try to focus our children on, on the positives and there is positive in everyone. And that needs to be acknowledged, even if for whatever reason your child is not connecting or doesn't seem to like a particular person. Right. And even if it's not, because I think like, I think it's important, like you said, it's not always rosy right. and sometimes it's hard to find the positive in yes. yes. So that's okay. Let's document and acknowledge this kid is going through a hard time. So maybe the answer is for a time, because everything is just for now, including <laughs> everything. So maybe you just avoid that kid or you just try to just be as neutral as possible. Oh, you empower yeah. your kid to be neutral or kind, or you just never know, or to ask the teacher to maybe find out if there's something, something going, going on. on right. Well, that's yeah, it. I think you're going to love this. I, t I tell my kids, and I and I actually got this from one of my best friends, um, put somebody on the shelf if it's not working. Ah. Don't throw them away. Don't throw them out. Just put them on the shelf. And you'll take them down when the time is right, if there is a, right, if exactly. there is a time that's right. Shelve them for now. And that's sure. something that you can, you know, give your children in a concrete way. So right. I, I heard that yeah. from somebody and I use that quite often. I want to end with yeah. one thing. We were having such a great conversation. I really don't ever want to end. I know, um, right? It's no, wonderful. Let's just ditch work. This is so much more fun. <laughs> um, but I just want to talk. I know you traveled six continents. Yes. And I just give me like one of your biggest takeaways, David, from traveling, because I think we learned so much from our travels. So w what's something that sticks out in your mind? We are just as special as everyone else. Oh, see, <laughs> you always come back to that. And, I love and that. And it's true, isn't it? And everyone is so, um, it's such a joy to travel and such a privilege, but that everybody, is, we are all on the same playing field. So what is yep. the continent that you haven't been to? I'm guessing Antarctica, but I could be surprised. You <laughs> right. And really like maybe in the summer. Yes. Is there a summer in Antarctica? I'm just saying, like, I don't know that. There's a know. warmer melting time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the least cold time, I would consider it. I'd love to see it. It must be fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it really has been a real pleasure. And I think um, we're ending with, with what you're saying um, about traveling. You know, people are the same everywhere. And that's, if we remember that, we can all get along really well and we can help our children to get along and to grow up to be adults who get along. And really, that's the goal for life. So, Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's do this again. I know. I'm, wa I'm yes, following please. you. I just want to quickly for you to tell our audience where they can find you because I'm sure everyone will want to. Yes. Yeah, super easy at beingunapologetic.com. And you can connect across all my social media platforms, watch the TEDx talk there, all of it. And if you follow me, I'll follow you back. And I'll even reply if you send me a message. I'm actually one of those. Oh, I, love I love to hear from people. I love that. So message me. Let's talk. All right. Amazing. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye.